So if this is your first Sunday with us, uh, my name is Mike and I'm the lead pastor here at MCC and I'm really glad that you are here today. We actually have a gift for you uh, at the table just for being here and we appreciate that. And if you're wondering what kind of church you have walked into today, I don't know if you checked us out online first, but I want to let you know a couple of things. This is one of those churches who knows that the most important thing, the most important things that we can be doing as a church is helping you decide uh, who Jesus is going to be in your life. And then as you grow in that relationship with him to help you reach into the life of someone else to help them decide who Jesus is going to be in their life. And as they grow, they will reach into someone else's life so they can decide who, who Jesus is going to be in their life and, and, and we can help them grow as they reach. And you can just kind of see where that's going, right? We just keep reaching and helping people grow. To help us accomplish that, uh, we have launched a survey that we're calling Reveal. And you may have noticed on the bulletin on the handout, uh, the red square, that's the Reveal survey. It began last Sunday. It closes next Sunday. So we'll close the door on that next Sunday. But the purpose of the survey is to help us understand what is most helpful to you in your faith journey to help you take your next step to grow in your faith, uh, faith journey uh, with Jesus, how we can facilitate those things. So the information we get is going to be huge as we continue to plan through next year. So if you're 18 years of age or older and you call MCC home, we're asking, uh, I'm asking if you would to set aside 15 minutes to take this survey. It's 15 minutes. Uh, it is not a Bible quiz. In case you're, that's making you nervous, not a Bible quiz. You do not have to spell Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you don't have to know who Habakkuk is uh, to do those, uh, to take this survey. Your faith journey is important to us. So the link is at our website. You'll also find, you can just put this in your search bar right here uh, on your handout as well. We appreciate your help with that. This is also, so this is the kind of church that wants to help you grow in your faith. This is also the type of church who wants to help children around the world with Christmas. So we participate in Operation Christmas Child and we participate in Angel Tree. And so Operation Christmas Child is for children around the world. Angel Tree is for children here in Miamisburg. So I want to encourage you, if you would like to be involved with one or the other uh, or both, uh, if you're able to do that, here's the thing. Well, I just want to make sure you know this. We love making a difference in the life of children. And so, you know, the other way you can do that is you can volunteer because we're also a relay center. As a matter of fact, we got our certificate, our award for being a 10-year uh, relay center. Actually, we've been, we have been a relay center longer. Oh, I'm supposed to hold that up. Uh, we have been a relay center longer than anybody else in the area. Is that it? There. All right. All right. Take your pictures. I'll, see, yeah, I'll sign those after the service. Uh, Okay, well, at least I thought it was funny. Uh, at any rate, uh, so if you wish, beginning a week from tomorrow, so not this week, but a week from tomorrow, the Relay Center opens. If you would like to volunteer, we have, uh, you, you can give your name out here in the lobby to some of our folks, and they will help get you set up to do that. And uh, also, so one more glimpse into the kind of church that we are. Uh, next week, we're going to start a new message series and I want to give you a teaser on what it's going to be about. So check this out. So what's supposed to go in the air? You, uh, you want me to talk to you or do you want me to talk to the camera? Which one? Because, okay, you got it. All right, so should I talk into this thing? Am I talking to here? Don't talk, sorry. Um, my, my first interview, a little nervous. So um, 
What do you want to know? So our series next week is going to be the elephant in the room. We'll start that next week, but that's next week. That's not this week. Uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going to conclude the series we've been in that we have been calling, uh, I was about to call it elephant in the room. It's called ridiculous. And uh, as a matter of fact, just to make sure we're all, we're going to end on the same foot, just like we started on the same foot. Ridiculous. If you were to look that up in the dictionary, what it means is in essence, absurd. That you've invited someone to think that something that you do or think or the way you act is uh, absurd. So, and I want to say this one more time. I've been trying to say this every week to make sure we all understand this. One of the reasons it's so hard, if you've ever wondered why is it so hard to follow Jesus, one of the reasons it's difficult is because he calls us to live in such a way that other people will look at us and think it's ridiculous. That, that is an absurd thing that you are doing. Uh, and, and there are beliefs that we hold close to our hearts that become drivers. For, they're the reason we do what we do. And the rest of the world just find those things hard to believe. As a matter of fact, you might say that they find some of the things that we hold close to our heart kind of laughable or funny or, or half-baked or, or, half or hair-brained or outrageous or nonsensical, right? And, and so we understand that, and we've looked at only a few in this series. We've looked at just three other things. Number one was, the first week was worship. And if you miss that, uh, it's, we, the reason it seems ridiculous is because we see worship as more than what we do in this room. We understand worship as everything that we do in life is an act of worship to God. Every breath that we take becomes an act of worship. And quite frankly, some of the people you work with, some of the people you go to school with, they think that's laughable, that you would, you would see your life that way. Uh, the next thing we talked about was serving. Not that serving itself is ridiculous because all kinds of pe people who don't even believe in Jesus serve. But just like Jesus, we will serve people that others wouldn't serve. We'll serve people who disagree with us, sometimes violently, would do us harm even while we're serving them. We will still reach out in the name of Jesus and serve those folks. And quite frankly, that may seem a little senseless to your family and your friends. Last week, we talked about something that we won't do. Could make us appear ridiculous, and that is that we won't gossip. And I'm telling you right now, if social researchers are correct, and two-thirds of all conversations include gossip, and if we say we won't, not only are we not going to initiate it, we're not even going to participate. We're not even going to listen to that. But listen, people, because we understand the damage that gossip does in other people's lives, we are going to seem silly to some of the folks who know us. So if you missed any of those, I want to encourage you, please go to our website. You can catch them there. Uh, but today, the belief that we work hard to hold on to, as a matter of fact, I would say this may, this may be the thing that some find most ridiculous about us. And maybe you're here this morning and when you hear it, you struggle with how ridiculous it seems to you at least at times uh, in your life. But this is why we do what we do. This is why we won't do what we won't do. Are you ready? It's what John wrote to the early church, 1 John chapter 3. It's at the end of the New Testament. He writes this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called, what? Read that out loud. What are we called? children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So on your notes, if you're taking notes, filling in blanks, would you write this down? I am a son or I am a daughter, whichever one that you are, uh, write that in the blank. I'm a son of God. I am a daughter 
of God. And listen, to some of us here this morning, I would just, I, I would hazard a guess to say that for some of us sitting here, that seems a little absurd. To think that I would be a child of God seems laughable or preposterous or nonsensical, which by the way is why we sang what we sang this morning, right? We are the sons, we are the daughters of God, and no matter where we go, we're close to the Father's heart. It's a reminder. The Living Bible, I love the way the Living Bible says this. See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us. He allows us to be called His children. Think of it. Think of that. Think of what that means. And we really are. Catch this next part. But since most people don't know God naturally, they don't understand that we are His children. Do you know why people don't get it? Do you know why sometimes we in this room are hesitant to accept that? It's because we know us, right? I know what I've said. I know what I've thought. You may not know what I'm thinking, but you may just look at the, you know, look on my face and think I'm thinking holy things. But I know what I've thought. I know what I've done. I know what I've not done. And so do the people who know us. I've told you before, the people I went to high school with, when they find out that I'm a pastor, they don't believe it. They think that we're talking about my twin brother, Mark, uh, that somehow he is. And part of the problem is I made this commitment to follow Jesus when I was 11 years old. But no one would have guessed it by the time I got to high school. I was still going to church. I just wasn't following Jesus. Am I the only one here with that story? <laughs> you make this decision, and then your life doesn't reflect it. That's why one of our core values here at MCC is called journey. That we believe faith isn't so much a destination, it's not where you arrive, but it's this journey that we are on all throughout our life. And we will meet, but this is the key part this morning, we will meet people where they are. Wherever you are, that's where we will meet you, not where we wish you were. We're going to come right where you are. Listen, it's what Paul said to the church in Corinth. He's talking about the church. When you read these words, check out what he said. He said, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Of course we know that, right? He says, don't, don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, adulterers, men who have sex with men, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers, none of them will inherit the kingdom of God. Now just stop for a moment if you would. Did I just describe you? Not all of these words. Do any of these words describe you or your behaviors? Or have they ever described your behaviors? Because I'm telling you, some of those words describe my past behaviors. Not all of them, but some of them. Look at verse 11. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed and you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Can I let you in on a little secret? If you're sitting here thinking I'm talking to you, but I'm not talking to anybody else, because when you look around the room and you look at people, you think that well, you know that you sin, but you don't think anybody else in here does. Can I tell you? I just want to be real plain and make sure you don't miss this. You're wrong. If that's what you're thinking, you are wrong. All of us struggle with sin. And sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. But everyone in this room 
struggles with sin. That's why Paul would write to the church in Rome. He said, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's why this is hard to believe because I know, I know that about me and you know that about you and you probably know that about me and I may know that about you, but look back at verse 11 and that is what some of you were, but you were washed. You, you were washed. So on your notes, if you would write this down, it's really important you get this in case you've never gotten this before. It's a good reminder if you have. I'm a forgiven sinner. Not a perfect follower, not a sinless follower. I am forgiven. I am a forgiven sinner. Now, how does that work? If this is your first time with us, I'm going to show you something that people who have been coming here for a while have seen before. Some of you have seen this before, and you're in this room. You've been in this room when I've shown you this before, and for some reason, it is not clicking with you. And I'm hoping that this time it will. The pieces will click into place, and you'll get it, and you'll respond to this. And others of us have responded, and I keep sharing it because I want you to know this so well that you can share this with your friend who have got this idea stuck in their head that they have done so many bad things, they've thought so many bad thoughts, they've been so many bad places that God will have nothing to do with them, that he doesn't care about them, and he hopes they go to hell because that's not true. So here it is. Because all the way back at the very beginning of the Bible, it's all about relationship with God. At the very beginning, it's always been about relationship with him. The Garden of Eden, walking in the Garden of Eden. And and so God meant for that to be the picture of our relationship, that we just have this close relationship with him. But somewhere along the line, we blew it. And we sinned and we caused this separation in the relationship with God. And in the beginning, if you're reading in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, very early in the first book of the Bible, you find out that Adam and Eve started the problem with their sin. But my problem with God isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. And your problem with God isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. Our problem with God is that you've sinned and I've sinned, and it's caused a separation between us. And not only did I sin, sometimes I still do. And our sin causes us to back away from him. And most people try to fix this. They try to figure out, how can I be good enough? I've got to fix this. How can I be good enough to get back to God? How can I stop doing bad things so that the good outweighs the bad? And maybe God will, you know, overlook some of the things that I've done. And we know we need to get this fixed before we leave this life. Because if this separation problem continues into eternity, it's a place called hell. The Bible says if we don't fix this separation here on earth, there's a place called hell that we go to. And what hell is, is the total separation from God. Not, his presence is not there. That's what makes it hell. No love, no mercy, no grace. And it goes forever. And the Bible says, listen, listen we, we, can do some, we can't do something about this. But he did. It's actually the good news of our faith is that 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to die on a cross for us. And the Bible tells us there's just three things. If you, there's three things that we need to do if we, it becomes a bridge, if we want to walk across this bridge and get back to God. And here's the first one. You have to believe. As a matter of fact, John 3.16 says, God loves us so much that he gave his only son that if we will just believe in him, we will not perish. We'll not go to hell, but we'll have eternal life. So here's the question I just want to ask you this morning. Don't answer it out loud. Just think about this for a moment, if you would. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is God's son? Do you believe he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross, not because he was bad, but because we are? (laughs) 
because we sin. We have sinned. We struggle with sin. Even to this day, we struggle with sin. And 2,000 years before you were ever born, Jesus died on a cross to take away your sins. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, the next thing, the next step then that comes in line is that you need to repent. And that repent is just a Bible word. It means to own up, to own this thing, to confess this thing. Uh, Acts 3 says, repent, uh, tell God, listen, it's not you, God, it's me. You didn't do anything wrong. I did. It's not my friends. It's not my children. It's not my parents. It's not someone I work with. It's not my neighbors. It's not that kid down the street. It's me. I did something wrong. And I'm sorry, because when we do that, when we repent and turn to God, our sins are what? What are they? Wiped out. I love that. It's not like God goes, oh, well, okay, we'll overlook it this time. It's not like God says, well, whatever. God wipes them out. It's as if they never existed. The third thing that the Bible tells us we need to do is to be baptized. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, uh, Peter is talking to the crowd and they say, what do we need to do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift. You get this gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, you were washed. That's what we're talking about. It's this whole idea. It's this commitment back to God. Psalm 103 says it this way. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I want to make sure, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Not for one minute should we minimize the seriousness of sin. Because churches are filled with people who have blatantly violated God's will. And it is awful and sin is ugly. But let's not minimize the greatness of God's grace either. Isaiah 38 says, you have put all my sins behind your back. There's a prophet in the Old Testament named Micah, little book. You probably won't find it unless you're really looking for it. But he says that God hurls our sins into the depths of the sea. Jeremiah 31 reminds us that God will remember our sins no more. See, it's not just enough that we remember that I am a forgiven sinner it's also important to remember that I'm a forgiven sinner who is loved by God. And if, listen, please write that down. Sometimes we forget that or we find it hard to believe, but it's why we sang what we did. As a matter of fact, some of us, when we were little kids, that song that Jen let us in just a little bit ago, right? Jesus loves me. How many of you sang this as a kid? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. You sing that when you were a kid? And then next, uh, we also sang this this morning, the love he lavished on us. He called us children of the king. And in his love and kindness, he chose the lonely and the weak. And his heart is good. And he's always kind. And with the cross, he proved he is on our side. We are the sons. We're the daughters of God. And no matter where we go, we're close to the father's heart. And though we stumble, he will not let us fall. Because we are the Lord's and he will never forsake his own. We are the sons. We're the daughters of God. First time I heard that song was at a conference. It was this past May. Our staff was at this conference together. And, and I started singing the song. I had never heard it before. And so I was just kind of listening and started to sing along because it was kind of easy to catch up with. And we got to those words right there. And I will tell you, it hit me right here. I mean, it was like a locomotive going through my chest when we sang those. 
And I knew the moment those words started, and I couldn't sing anymore, I stopped singing. I knew we needed to sing that together. I knew we needed to be reminded of that together. And there is a story that I read decades ago, and it stops me in my tracks every time I look at it. And I really wanted to stop you and yours as well. Marianne Bird tells a story about herself in the whisper test. She said, I grew up knowing I was different, and I hated it because I was born with a cleft palate. When I started school, my classmates made it very clear to me how I looked to others. I was the little girl with the misshapen lip and the crooked nose and the lopsided teeth and the garbled speech. So when they would ask me what happened to you, I would tell them I'd fallen and I'd gotten cut on a piece of glass because somehow it was more acceptable that an accident caused it rather than I was, I was born different than everyone else. She said, I was convinced that no one outside of my family could love me. But there was this teacher in second grade that we all adored. Her name was Mrs. Leonard. She was short and round and happy. <laughs> she was a sparkling lady. She said, annually we had a hearing test and Mrs. Leonard gave the test to everyone in the class and finally it was my turn. And I knew what I was gonna do. You, you stand up against the door with your one ear pointed uh, against the door and you covered, covered one ear and the teacher was sitting at her desk and she would whisper something and you were to try to hear it. And she would say things like, the sky is blue or are you wearing new shoes? But she said, I waited for those words that God must have put in her mouth because they were seven words that changed my life. Mrs. Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. Do you know when, what God whispers in your ear? God whispers in your ear, I'm glad you're my child. He whispers in your ear, you're never alone, I'm always with you. He whispers, you're the one I sing over. You're the apple of my eye. I'll never forget you. You have no idea how much I love you. I love you so much. That's who you are. Because you're a son or a daughter of God. That's, that's who you are. You're a forgiven sinner who God loves. So can I encourage you today with this? Would you relax in his grace? Listen, do you suppose God is surprised when you sin? Do you think you catch him off guard with that stuff? He knows it's going to happen. <laughs> in fact, he expects it. Even when you fail, can I tell you that God does not stop loving you? It's called grace. Psalm 103 says, God knows what we're made of. He remembers that we are dust. He knows how you're wired. He made you. He knows exactly what you're made of, that you're a human being, and he knows your frailties, and he doesn't expect you to be perfect because he knows what you're made of, and he doesn't stop loving you when you blow it, and you and I both know that we do that. This is a hard concept for us to get because so many of us grew up in performance-driven homes. We were taught that, that if we succeeded, it meant that we were valuable and worthwhile and, and significant. And if you failed, it meant that, that, that you were worthless and invaluable and not significant. 
And we were taught that our worth was based on our performance, that what we are was based on what we do. And that's a lie. And if you've been told that, I'm so sorry that was ever put in your head. It is a lie. Your value as a person has absolutely nothing to do with your performance because God says, I love you, period, exclamation point, not based on your performance. It's all based on his character. God says that you are worthwhile to me because you are my child. That's why communion is so important to us. Every Sunday when we come together, we remember that with this, this simple act. We hold the emblems that remind us of Jesus' body that was broken for us, and the juice reminds us of his blood that was given for us on the cross. The cost of our adoption. We were adopted into the family. The cost, the price of our adoption was the life of Jesus on the cross. And God says you are totally worth it. And so as we take communion this morning, may that be the thing that you think about. May that be what you remember and thank God for as you take these emblems that you are his daughter, that you are his son, and thank him for the price he paid. Let's go to him in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you that you have loved us. Thank you that you still love us. Thank you that you never give up on us, that you have second chances in your pocket that you hand out as often as we need them. You never, you never grow weary of that. You never roll your eyes at us. You can't love us more than you already love us because you, you, you loved us with the life of your son. And so, God, as we come to this time when we remember, we, we are reminded not just of what you've done, but of who we are because of that. We are children of the King. God, as we hold these emblems, we just want to say thank you for allowing us to be your kids. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, whose body and blood paid for our forgiveness. It's already in place. God, thank you for him. Amen. So I want to make sure you get this so it's on your notes. Because a lot of people don't, don't get this. My behavior doesn't earn my position with God. That means that what you do isn't what gets you close to God. Does that make sense? You're not earning your way in. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. Just a reminder, by the way, Paul is saying we were lost we need it saved, so that's you and that's me. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So as great as you are, right, you did not earn your way into heaven because of your awesomeness. Your behavior did not earn you your position with God. He did that for you, Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's just the opposite. When you were least lovable, 
when you were least worthy of God's love, he reached out in love to you anyway so that you might, might be saved, right? So, for the, so the first thing is this, relax. Your behavior doesn't earn your position with God. But the second part of that thought that's on your notes is that my position with God dictates my behavior. In other words, I don't do what I do so I can get in. I do what I do because I'm in. Does that make sense? I'm a child of God. Of course I'm going to behave this way. Of course I'm going to think this way. Of course I'm going to do these things. Ephesians 4, Paul would write this, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's why we do things that some people don't understand. That's why we do things that some people think is comical or nonsensical. In a word, they think it's ridiculous. It's why there are other things we just won't do because, because, of who we are. So here's the challenge of it. You ready? Live up to your name. Live up to your name. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. Live up to your name. You're a child of the king. When you enter a room, royalty walks in. When you are there, his presence comes in through you. When people look at us, they see our dad and they know he is with them just because we are there. Last night, we had in this room our family dedication where our parents are reminded that little eyes are watching to see if what we just did in here, if this whole time that we've been together, if it's true or not. And I just want to say they're not just watching mom or dad. They're watching you. They're watching me. They want to find out, is this thing that we sing about and pray about and communion and offering, the the time that we spend here, is it true? Because I'll tell you what I told them. I just read this about a month ago. When it comes to Jesus, our kids are not looking for an explanation. They're looking for a demonstration. They want to know, (laughs) are we really going to live this thing out? And so I, just as a way of reminder to you this morning, I wanted you to see who's watching us. So check this out on the screen. How will I teach you how to walk When I'm so prone to wander off How will I teach you how to live to love and give how will i teach you how to trust when i don't keep my promises how can i teach you all these things i'm still
Take you by the hand Close my eyes and pray again Today I place my dreams for you In his hands And one day when you are grown And walk with Jesus on your own Finally will be in good hands through the tears and through the laughter the Lord goes with you before and after he is longing for If our parents would come on up here with your special guests. We've asked our parents to come up. Uh, I want you to see on the video who it was that's been watching you, that is watching you. I want you to see too, live and in person. This is who we're talking about right here. And they're checking us out. They want to know. Come on up, spread on it. You, you need to come up into the light, into the light. Come to the light, come to the light. Do not fear the light. Thank you all for sharing last night with us, and thanks for sharing this morning with us as well. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close with a word of prayer, so why don't you stand? We'll stand together, and we are going to pray uh, for these kiddos, okay? You guys are awesome. Oh, man, by the way, this little girl right here, you want to get to her? Look at the daddy you got to get through to get to that little girl. Let me tell you what, man. I was watching him in the back of the room. You, you're trying to settle her down, weren't you? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Let's go, let's go to God. Father, thank you that, that we get to be kids in your kingdom. Children, children of the king. Such an honored title. God, may these children remind us of how precious, how precious the life of a little one is. and How much they have to learn. And they're going to watch us to try to figure it out. So God, may the footsteps that we leave behind, may they lead them right to you. Help us, not just as parents, and brothers and sisters, but as, as, as kids of yours here at MCC, that when our children see us, they will get a glimpse of you. God, thank you for the chance to represent you. And we do pray for, for these moms and dads. God, that, they, that you would bless them and that you would continue to carry them so that their kids will see you living in their lives. God, we pray all of this through your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all for coming up here. That was great. All right. 
So out in the lobby, just a reminder, Operation Christmas Child is out there. And I understand if you want a chance to win a turkey, that's going on out there too. I'll tell you what, so just so you know, it supports missions. Everything we do here does. So have a great week. Have a great week.